Welcome into College Gridiron, episode one of the new season, week two. We had some delays last week. Some people were busy, um, myself included. So that's definitely on us for not getting you an episode last week. But the good thing is I'm joined with Chris Hennessy this week. Um, and we are recapping a very action-packed week one where we saw some heavyweights go up in Georgia Clemson. We'll get into that game. Talk about some other big takeaways. Um, and Fordham, too, obviously we know. They played Nebraska. We'll get into next week as well. So lots to talk about. But Chris, just to start off, how you doing, my man? I'm good, man. It's good to have all kind of football back. Obviously, you had a big week last week with Fordham, Nebraska, and all the top 25 games. And then tonight we get Tampa, Dallas. So life is good, man. Yeah, football is just – it provides happiness to me. I'm sure you're the same way. It was week zero a few weeks ago, and I was clamoring for Fresno State-UConn. I really was – UConn, man, like I'm a Connecticut guy and I didn't even watch UConn. And then Edsel got fired. So it was like, I, like it's just their little laughing stock of the entire state. It's it's unbelievable. Well, he, he it's funny. I mean, he announces retiring end of the year and then it's like, nope, actually, you kind of got fired right now because we saw it. <laughs> they're um, like, you're going to retire? No. <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think we'll start at the top. Obviously, the biggest game, probably of the season non conference. It's going to be really hard to top it matchup-wise. Georgia-Clemson um, in the Duke-Mayo Bowl in Charlotte. Number, I think it was three Clemson versus number five. Georgia going in. Clemson was a slight favorite. And I don't know if I want to say this game lived up to the hype because it was very ugly. Not very pretty to watch. It was obviously football. 10-3, your final score. Georgia gets a really big signature win early in the year. But before we get into all that, what were just kind of your initial thoughts on this one? Yeah, I thought it was going to be really interesting with Clemson coming in with a new quarterback, right? They they struggled a little bit in that transition period between Watson and Lawrence. And now we'll see if the new quarterback is the guy, Yuga uh, Lele. Yep. Um, we'll see if he's the guy. And he played a little bit last year when Lawrence uh, was hurt but and won the games, obviously. They got to the national championship. But uh, I – was not impressed with him, honestly. And they have a bunch of quarterbacks on that roster. So you wonder how locked up his spot is. Also, JT Daniels didn't look that great. And they got Alabama in like four weeks. So, you know, their schedule, yeah, Clemson is their big non-conference game, but they're playing the SEC. And they got to get themselves right before before Alabama. Um, uh, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry, not Alabama, Auburn. My apologies. Um, I'm now not allowed in the state of Alabama because I mixed those two up. Um, I looked quickly, um, but they do have Auburn, who's a ranked team. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. That goes for the Bulldogs. But um, I would I would pump the brakes on signature win. I would. Their defense was great, but um, I would pump the brakes on signature win because I think they played a Clemson team with a lot to figure out. Interesting. I'm not that low on Clemson. I don't know if you were still going there, but I think this was just two heavyweights. I think at the end of the day, you will see these teams – in the college football playoff. I took Georgia to win this game beforehand. Um, Clemson obviously has the talent. Really ugly, though. Like, you're not really taken away with too much impressed by Georgia because of the offense in JT Daniels. We know last year, you know, he comes in midseason. Stenson Bennett was not the guy. Ten touchdowns, two picks. They probably make the college football playoff with him over Stenson Bennett, and no disrespect to him, but he just didn't have competent quarterback play. It wasn't consistent enough, and he did struggle. 135 yards, a pick. But it's what the defense was able to do, which is why um, I'm not too concerned from the Clemson side either. I think this Georgia defense is the best in the country. I really do. They let they held Clemson to two rushing yards the entire game. 
And obviously Clemson has running back issues to find out as well. Travis Etienne now in the NFL with the Jaguars. But this up, this front seven was legit. And the only touchdown in this game was a pick six by Christopher Smith. 73-yard pick six. That was the only touchdown, and it was defensively. So Georgia's D can wreak havoc. It's going to come down to if the offense and JT Daniels can be explosive enough, and that's definitely a legit question. But from Clemson's side, too, you look at the rest of their schedule, it's 10-1, and one, set it and forget it. There's no game you're even worried about. They don't have a top 25 opponent left on their schedule. Um, we'll see what happens in the ACC championship. UNC, a contender for that, got upset by Virginia Tech this weekend. So the ACC, obviously, very weak. We know that. Clemson's going to steamroll the rest of this thing. They'll end the season with one loss. Georgia, on the other end, if you want to go that outlook, you know, the SEC championship, do they see Alabama in that? Who knows? Um, yes, the SEC is obviously a gauntlet, so, like, you're not guaranteed a spot there anyway. A win like this could mean nothing if they get upset by an LSU or an Auburn in a few weeks, which you are more talented than. So I think when you look it up from that, it's really interesting. But defense was certainly, you know, the focal point here. Ugalele, you mentioned he just had nothing going. Wasn't really on him completely. He was just getting collapsed out there. He had no time to throw. Running game did him no favors. He got sacked seven times in this one. And so when that happens, you have this defense in Georgia, you know, it would take a really special, special player to be able to do something. And he didn't show that. But at the same time, he's a five-star. He has all the talent in the world. I think it is a little too early to kind of, you know, look towards the bench, give him a few games to figure it out in the system as the full-time starter. I don't know. That's just what I think of him. I, I, I'm not – obviously, he's not Trevor Lawrence, and no one's asking him to be. But he does need to be better. I think that is something that we can both – takeaway is an absolute he needs to be better than he was in this game if Clemson wants to make a run of things and bounce back yeah I would agree I don't think he's going to hit hit the pines uh this early but because that that quarterback room is very young too I'm looking at it now it's five guys three of them are freshmen uh he uh ukulele is a sophomore and then Tyson Pumachan is a sophomore as well so it's a very young room so he's probably safe unless Pumachan comes on and, and is able to to take that spot. But yeah, of course, Clemson's going to end with one loss. I, I don't think that that's a, any doubt. And then you're going to look back on this game in December, be like, oh, they only lost to a touchdown by a touchdown, neutral site. Ah, we'll just give them the four seed. No big deal. That happens, right? And it happens with every team of that caliber. Uh, so I would expect that. Uh, as for Georgia and the SEC, their defense is great. There's no question about that, right? They've, they've proven that year after year and they proved it again this weekend, but that offense is a concern and they only have two top 25s on their schedule in Auburn and Florida. Got it right that time. Um, and the rest of their schedule is really just okay. And they have a while to ramp up to Auburn, a UAB, South Carolina, Vanderbilt, Arkansas. So they, they have a little bit of, of runway. So I think that Georgia, I, I, the only reason I say it's not a signature win is because there's so many questions coming out of it. It's a great win. It looks great on their resume. It puts them in, in a pole position to get into the playoff. Um, but I, I want to pump the brakes a little bit just because I'm not totally sure that they looked as great as we expected them to. So I agree with that, but it can be a signature win. It certainly isn't right now, but you can look back at this season as it being a signature win if they take care of business the rest of the way. You mentioned those top two 25 games. They'll be favored in both those games. I don't care if it's at Auburn. Georgia has the talent. I don't know where that game versus Florida's at. They are depleted coming off losing, it feels like, every single impact starter on that offense. But the question at the end of the day, like, yes, it's a signature win for now, but if they do lose in the SEC championship to Bama, 
do that does that one loss to Bama and not winning their conference get them in over a one loss Clemson who wins their conference and that's something that we saw a little bit last year it was the same situation with Clemson they lost that game at Notre Dame still got into the playoff and that I don't know the answer to I feel like the SEC will come into play and help them out a lot but at the same time if you don't win your conference and Clemson rattles off 10 straight 30 point wins it's going to be tough so while I don't yeah the signature win is interesting because week one signature win Kirby Smart like that's kind of you don't want that bar if you're Georgia you want the signature win bar to be in the college football playoffs because that's how good your roster is that's how good you are recruiting that's where your talent should be year in and year out so I think when you look at it from that side it is interesting but at the end of the day, like they do have to show up versus Alabama. They do have to take care of business versus the rest of the SEC because that's what it's all about when you play in the SEC. Non-conference wins against top three teams are nice, but if you fall to an LSU or just a team, you know, a mid-level SEC team that would dominate in other conferences, it doesn't matter at the end of the day. Yeah, they're not going to fall to LSU because LSU stinks. But I get your point. Like you got you got to take care of business, and that real it's two challenges. It's the home game against Florida and then the SEC championship game, which for Georgia is effectively a home game. And that would theoretically be against Alabama. So you got, this game was a neutral site, but it was in North Carolina, which is, I guess, technically between the two of them, but um, more of a Clemson home game, but the next two, the next big games home against Florida and the uh, SEC championship in Atlanta. So it'll be very, very interesting to see, how the Bulldogs are able to bounce back that offense left a lot to be desired. Yeah. At the end of the day though, like you take this win, they asked JT Daniels after the game and he's like, I don't care how bad it, like we just beat Clemson. Like I'm pumped up. The other note on him, I think that we need to bring up is it doesn't look like he's going to play versus UAB. His status is up in the air with an injury. That's a game where it doesn't matter who you roll out there at quarterback. You're going to win. It's no offense to UAB. You're going to beat UAB. But you need to make sure his health long-term is okay. I, we don't know enough right now to make speculations or anything, but they're absolutely going to need JT Daniels to be a difference maker. We saw it last year. Not having the quarterback really bit them in the rear. It really hurt them with Stetson Bennett. He was just too limited out there. And JT Daniels has the talent to hang with an elite Alabama offense, but at the same time, he didn't show it on Saturday. Yeah, I, w- I would agree with all that. They they made a quarterback change last year. They do not want to make another one this year. Yeah, um, and we've, we've alluded to Bama. Let's shift to that game here. We have a lot to get to, so we'll go – we'll rip it right here. Alabama, you know, a lot of people were questioning. You lose Mac Jones, Najee Harris, the Heisman, Waddle, all these pieces. You leave Steve C- Sarkeesian, your OC. What's it going to look like? You're playing a ranked U-Miami 14. Don't know how they're that high. Going into this, some the spread was like 17 or so. People were wondering, like, this isn't the same Bama team. And they shut those people up immediately. 44-13, to 13, utter domination, touchdown instantly. The offense explosive as ever. Bryce Young, the first Alabama quarterback in history to throw four touchdowns in his first game. It looks like John Michi is going to slide very nicely into that wide receiver one role. Jameson Williams had a 94-yard touchdown. It's I've learned you don't bet against Alabama. I made the mistake last year on this podcast of taking Ohio state to win the national championship. And I got killed for it. And it looked, I just looked dumb because that's a dumb thing to do to bet against Alabama. They've replenished Bryce young is the best prospect rank they've ever had. So to bet against this Alabama team, I think is silly. I think at the end of the day, we might just chalk this up as another Alabama year. But we'll go more into this game because, um, you know, it was just pure domination. I just want to know what were your thoughts on what Bama did on Saturday? Yeah, I was interested to see how Miami responded um, 
because it, it was right off the gate. It was a punch right in the mouth, right? It was, I mean, it was 27, nothing before they crossed yep, the 50 yard line. Um, but it's, you know, it's still 14, nothing at some point. It's like, man, is Miami going to get off the mat? And then they never got off the mat, um, which was very interesting. And yeah, I mean, you say you wonder why they're so high. I mean, we can love college football, but we all know that the logo on the helmet talks a little bit more than maybe we wanted to. Early um, season for sure. I don't know about late. Yeah. When, when you're getting, when you have a preseason ranking based off of a pl- players you've literally never seen. Um, so I, I think that that really played a part in it and probably they wanted to put the little number next to it for the Alabama game. And then, but it never, it never worked out for Miami and they just looked brutal. Um, this kind of reminded me of the Notre Dame Miami game back in 20, was that 2018 or 2017 that year Miami was really good and Notre Dame went down there and they got absolutely pummeled. Um, that, that was kind of my, the vibe I got from this where it's 27, nothing before they crossed the 50 yard line. You're like, great. I just got my whole Saturday night back. I'm turning this off and I'm, <laughs> I'm doing something else because this is a absolute snooze fest. Um, so, I mean, yeah, Alabama's going to roll as they always, always do. Um, and while I might, as a Notre Dame fan, might find that quite aggravating uh, because that means that the, in the playoff, hopefully Notre Dame's going to get rolled again. It's all you could ever expect, yeah. right? It's the only thing that we know for sure, right? Death taxes in Alabama in the number one. So not surprising, but very interesting up from the Miami side for sure. Yeah, you never want your like main – moment of the game to be the turn taking out the turnover chain first of all down 27 nothing that's an interesting debate on its own side I honestly feel like I'm all for the guys being themselves and showing emotion stuff but then that turnover got overturned so like just that's the most memorable thing that uh, Miami did on the football field so you never want that to be the case um it looks like it's not going to be the year for Miami Dear King awesome story and everything like that he was just overmatched it just didn't look like two top 15 programs on the field. Uh, Bama will get Mercer next week. Nick Saban said they're a different kind of offense. So that should be a really close, interesting game, right? FCS Mercer, they're a different kind of offense for Alabama. So we're going to see what happens there. Uh, moving along. Um, for, more than, for more than a half a second, I thought you weren't kidding. And I was like, wait, did I, did I like not do the correct research? And then I was like, wait, he's joking. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it's always funny seeing these coaches prop up these these schools um you know we see it all the time we see it in bill belichick's the king of it praising sam donald and everything like that um, miami's got appalachian state appalachian state is good yeah i mean i mean I'm Miami, like i'm not ready to completely overreact losing to bama the way they did because it's alabama if there's one team where like i won't be completely out on you getting just pummeled the way they did it is alabama that's the one thing i'll say and this team still made a lot of strides late in last season so we'll see what happens there. But I think the main takeaway from that one, Chris, if I'm not mistaken, is Alabama is here to stay. The, the turnover on offense is not significant enough. They are a machine, and it really doesn't matter who is in and who's out. They are going to put up numbers. They are going to be there at the end of the day. 100%. And, and the reason I bring up the App State game is that's kind of an upset alert spot for me. Like, Appalachian State's good, right? They, I think they got a couple top 25 votes, but they're not in the poll. Um they're going down to Miami, which makes it a little bit more difficult, but Miami is, is physically exhausted after losing to Alabama, probably a little bit mentally dejected. And I'll be interested to see how that goes because 
uh, that that could certainly be an interesting one. But yeah, the main, the only takeaway, you know, I'm not going to count out Miami. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw them late in the season playing against Clemson because um, they don't play them in the regular season. So that would be an interesting game. But yeah, I, I think that the main takeaway is Alabama is Alabama, no matter who's taking the snaps and who's catching the ball and who's taking the handoffs because all three of those guys changed and they still put up 44 points on the road. Yeah. And I don't think it's crazy to say like Bryce Young is significantly more talented than Matt Jones. That's not, he might even be more talented than Tua. So like, I never understood why people were ready to, you know, discredit Alabama one bit when this was literally the number one prospect they've ever got in Mm -hmm. terms of his like high school grades. And if you know, you're going to get the most out of him somewhere, it is Alabama. So I think we're going to see a lot more special stuff from him. I'm really in on Bryce Young again, force first Alabama quarterback to throw four touchdowns in his first game, 344 yards versus what was supposed to be a good defense. Before we move on here to Fordham, you know, a ton of other games and stuff. We want to make sure we cover a lot. One thing that I was really looking for, Chris, with we're coming off the COVID year, right? And it is so fascinating because I think college football got it in a way where it was hard to evaluate it more than other sports, definitely more than the NFL, because there were no fans in most of these, in most of these, you know, conferences in the big 10, specifically and there were some teams that were kind of cinderellas and that was my number one takeaway you had indiana and northwestern both being perennial top 10 teams and they both got embarrassed this week you know indiana iowa indiana came into the game ranked higher iowa was a slight favorite we're going to get more into iowa in a second when we preview their game this week but indiana didn't compete with them 34 to 6 it was really really ugly didn't score a touchdown mike michael Penix, who you know he is really talented three picks completely lost out there was clearly rattled is it the home crowds is that it like I don't know but I think that's an important takeaway that I have Northwestern as well loses to Michigan State um 38-21 at home really ugly loss that elite defense from last year is not there they gave up 264 yards and four touchdowns to Kenneth Walker kind of the star of the week I'm wondering on your side of things what were kind of some other takeaways you had around the college football world in this week one one of my takeaways was pro Iowa I thought Iowa looked so dominant and I'm really interested to see how, you know, they kind of, they, they progress now that they have this big game against uh, the Cyclones. Um, But definitely one of them was pro Iowa. Another one was maybe not anti Wisconsin. Maybe that's a little bit strong, but question mark, Wisconsin at home, only 10 points. Um, Great that the defense was great. They only let up 16 Um, and it is Penn state. Who's a conference team, uh, top 20 team in the nation at that time. So I'm not going to sit here and say they don't have a chance for the rest of the season, but Mertz was not good. 185 yards, two interceptions. QBR might be overrated, but 18 and a half. QBR to me is kind of overrated, but when it's an extreme on either side, it's notable. And 18 and a half is preposterously low. Um, They did have a 100-yard rusher and a 100-yard receiver. But other than that, I mean, there really didn't feel like there was much juice going, especially when it was nothing, nothing at halftime. Um, So I am concerned about Wisconsin because I was pretty high in the Big Ten coming into this year between Penn State, Wisconsin, Iowa. I thought that those three teams were going to be really, really good. Um, And I think you saw it from Iowa and maybe didn't see it as much from Wisconsin. Penn State got that huge road win. That's going to be huge for their resume um, if it comes down to a top four spot for them. Uh, So I'm interested to see how Wisconsin bounces back for the rest of the year uh, in the Big Ten. That could be really, really fun. Yeah, if I, I can't even count the amount of times I saw Big Ten footballs back on my timeline. When that game was going on, as you mentioned, nothing, nothing at halftime. Very ugly, very classic, very 
defensive-minded football. You know, if you're a fan of the trenches and everything like that, it was your game. But, yeah, so, like, I'm interested because that game, very interesting. Are you more high on Penn State, or it sounds like you're more low on Wisconsin after that one? After that one, I felt a little bit more low on Wisconsin because they were a top-10 team at home week one against a big opponent, and they scored nine points or ten points. And it was like – that's that's kind of my feeling with Georgia right now too like that kind of goes back to what I said with Georgia like yeah they won but like they didn't give you a reason to be excited the defenses did on both of those teams Georgia and Wisconsin obviously Georgia won um and I'd say the same thing about Clemson where like yeah the defenses give you a reason to be excited that's great but like the offenses didn't move the needle for me like honestly like uh Alabama's did obviously um and like Iowa's did and I, look, Iowa's not the second best team in the country. I'm not making that argument. But if you look at maybe Indiana's just bad, maybe, maybe that's the reason. I'm not sure. But you look at the offense of Iowa, which is not a sentence you ever say. That's the most offensively minded team in the country, put up 30 something points. And then you look at all these other teams put up 10 and 16 and three. And then honestly, Georgia only put up three because they had to pick six. It's just you kind of have to look at that and say in question those teams a little bit because they were so high up coming into the year and their offense kind of didn't show up in week one in big games, too. Yeah, and it means more now. I think the the college football landscape has changed. It's not just defense, defense, defense like it was five, ten years ago where you had Bama, just complete game managers, everything like that, running the ball, defense. You need explosive, dynamic quarterback play to win in college football. Go back the last five years. You see it with every team that's on top, and that's something where, like, it's not winning these physical tough games now. Yeah, they're great for the resume and everything, but that's not going to work against Alabama. They are too much of a juggernaut offensively. Ohio State as well, they put up big-time points. Um, we'll get more to them in a second here. So I think that's something where, yeah, like the defensive games are nice now, but when, when it comes down to it and you're facing these dynamic quarterbacks, you're going to need to match them offensively. Shootouts is the new college football. It has changed, but that's the reality of it. Um, so yeah, that's it for my takeaways. Uh, do you have anything else on that? No, uh, that was really my big takeaway. Okay. Yeah. So a ton of more will happen. We'll get more, you know, we'll get a better picture of who is legit, who's not, these could be blips on the radar, who knows what happens there. But before we get to next week, I think we need to shout out being an FUV podcast, being a Fordham flagship Fordham football. Um, I was really proud of this first game. I think we're a power five opponent since 1954, very historic very big time for Fordham to go to Nebraska, 90,000 fans against them, their first home game in two years. And early on, it was special. Ryan Greenhagen, obviously, you know his name by now, breaks the all-time NCAA record in-game tackles, 31. Originally credited him with 30, but some of the players noticed that they gave an extra tackle to a guy who didn't travel, and they stood up for their teammate. They told the scouts and everything, take a look at the tape. He got this tackle. They did. That's how we got the record. Nice stuff there. You know, I was just really proud of this team to go there. And early on, obviously, the game was awesome. Tied after the first quarter. Had a chance to take the lead on a few missed throws. Everything like that. You're not going to hang with Nebraska for four quarters. But the way they were able to go in there with positive mindset and everything and just play this game to their best of the abilities, I was really proud of the Fordham football program for what they did. Yeah, absolutely. And there was definitely a buzz. You were here, right? You weren't in Nebraska. Yeah, you were here. I was here. There was definitely a buzz around campus. I was at the soccer game working for the station. And you could kind of sense up in the booth, there was a little bit of buzz, like, oh, it's 7-7 for the first quarter. And I looked at um, our friend Dylan Balsam, I was like, 7-7 after the first quarter, that can't be our game. He was like, yeah, it's our game. Like, oh, my God. Uh, and then it quickly uh, wasn't 7-7 anymore. But 
uh, yeah, you have to be super proud of, of how the team performed and hopefully this becomes an annual thing. And um, hopefully one time it's local and we can, we can show up. I know there were some Fordham fans, but it'd be fun if they played like a Rutgers or something, we were able to go to the game and, and definitely show out because I think if Fordham football is good, um, we could have a lot of fun. Um, pack the Jack, I believe is what they're calling it this year for Jack coffee. Field. Um, but no, I, I do, I do think that we could have a lot of fun if it is a, uh, if it's a, an annual kind of thing and maybe, uh, maybe one of these years they'll win one of these. I mean, Appalachian state's now a top uh, team in the country. Uh, how many years after beating Michigan on the road? So you never know, you know, one of these years it might happen. Yeah. And it's only positive things to happen from games like this. The national exposure, the spotlight, it's great. A guy like Ryan Green, again, you know, we've known him around campus for years being this monster fringe NFL guy, but now the whole college football world knows his name and deservingly so for the effort he put on display. Um, so yeah, I'm just really proud of the guys again. Great job to fight for a Nebraska power five. Like this is, this isn't even an FCS power. This is a power five school, a huge game. You talked about the buzz around campus. It was there. I was watching with some buddies after that Fotis Coco Sula's touchdown to tie things. The energy was as electric as it's been in my Fordham career by far for any Fordham sports moment. That's for sure. So, um, you know, really good stuff there. Um, I think we'll move on now to the well, next week. Yeah, you got to give a shout out to your boy, the punter. Yes, my friend. Yes, my boy. Yeah, John O'Friel flipped the field on one of those punts. We recovered a punt. Um, he is the one actually who told the uh, the scouts that Greenhagen got the extra tackle. Probably should have name dropped him there. So fun stuff there. I was tweeting all about that. Uh, proud of him, obviously. Um, let's shift over now to next week as we end things here. Really fun matchup to start things. We're going to preview two games, give some picks. Iowa, number nine versus number 10. Oh, Iowa State, sorry, is number nine. Number 10 is Iowa. And this is the first time they're ever meeting as ranked opponents. Probably the height of the Iowa State program. Matt Campbell, obviously, phenomenal head coach. Got a ton of NFL looks. I know I wanted the Jets to get him. Um, It's a really nice game here. Obviously, we've talked Iowa a little bit. Iowa State not coming off a great start. 16 to 10 win over Northern Iowa, you know, that's not a game you want to be close. Um, they only had one second half field goal. So really concerning there, if you want to look into that, they're not trending right going into this game. But Chris, I'll obviously start with you. What are you kind of looking for in this battle for Iowa? I'm looking for the energy. Um, and I, I am obviously a huge college football fan and I love a Big Ten. I love a Big Ten game. A friend of ours from home, he just graduated Iowa state and they had game day, Iowa, Iowa state, probably two years ago, I want to say. And he was like, it was the greatest thing ever. Like, I think that was the year that uh, Iowa state was good and Iowa was really bad and it was in Iowa state. So they absolutely pummeled the Hawkeyes and he's like, this is the greatest thing ever. The two teams do not like each other. The two fan bases do not like each other. Um, And it, it is like sneaky. One of the fiercest rivalries in college football. Um, so I'm very, very excited for this game. So m- m- the thing I'm looking for the most is the energy. Just like we got some of that last week, but like this is going to be the game for me that's like, yeah, college football is back, back now. Like, yeah, we that didn't really ever go away in the SEC because they kind of had everybody in the crowd all year last year. But it's, you know, I think it's going to be awesome. Um, I think Iowa is going to go in there and pull, and pull off the upset. I mean, it's only a 10-9, but they are on the road. They're favorites um, by Vegas, four and a half point favorites. State is. Iowa is favorites. Four and a half I point. see ISU minus four and a half. Really? 
ESPN has ISU minus four and a half. Okay. Oh, wow. So we got a nine point difference there. Um, but yeah, yeah so I would I gonna pick Iowa, but I would not be surprised if Iowa State won, obviously. Um, and I'd probably I'm not a you know betting man, but I'd probably take the points. I'd probably say it's gonna be a field goal game. Yeah, when I'm looking at this game, it's the trenches. It is absolutely the trenches. Iowa lost three starters on the D-line coming off last season. But if you saw them versus Indiana, you would not be able to tell. And I think when you look at Iowa State, they have what I think is the best running back in the country in Brees Hall. So that O-line is going to need to hold up against Iowa's front seven and create holes for him because he's dynamic. He will have the ability to carry you. Um you know, Brock Purdy, they probably have the edge of quarterback, Spencer uh, Patriots, for as well as Iowa played. He was not great. He was 13 for 27, buck 45. You know, a lot to be left on the table for Iowa. Obviously, they're defensive-oriented, running the football. So that's why I think it comes down to the trenches. Absolutely. And I'm going to pick it when it comes down to that. Iowa, I think the defense plays more of a factor here. Um, you know, I look at Iowa State last week. Do I want to completely overreact a ton to week one? No, but 16 to 10 over Northern Iowa, that concerns me. That really concerns me. That's not even a like a, a team that you should beat. That's a team you should pummel. And for it to be that close is concerning. So I'm going to go with Iowa too. I guess I messed up the line here. I thought they were minus four and a half. That might just be on my brains thinking because I feel like they should be the favorites in this one. I'm going to go. They win by seven here, 17-10. Definitely low scoring overall, though. I think both these defenses will show out very similar to the maybe Clemson Georgia game where it's ugly and it takes one play late in the game to kind of flip it. But I do think in the end, the trenches will go in Iowa's favor and they'll be able to kind of push Iowa state a little bit here. Yeah, I would agree. I, I think that Iowa, I'm, I'm interested to see what big 10 team ends. I Ohio state obviously will probably stake their claim into a, a spot in the college football playoff. But I wonder who's going to challenge the second SEC team for the fourth spot. Because if you give one to Alabama, one to Ohio State, one to Clemson, now there's the fourth spot. You're going to have Georgia, the winner of Georgia, Florida, which is probably going to be Georgia, the winner of Iowa, Penn State, Wisconsin, um, and then maybe Notre Dame, maybe Cincinnati, um, teams like that. So I think that this is kind of a big game where, and obviously, if I, the Big 12 is not, you know, anything to, oh, I forgot Oklahoma, Oklahoma. too. So like, is, is there even like a fourth spot to be had, um, which is just more the reason to make it eight, but that's, that's not my soapbox to stand on. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'll be very interested uh, to see how that big 10 plays out. Yeah. Oklahoma too, just to bring up the really ugly win versus Tulane at home should have been a road game. Obviously those kids at Tulane going through a lot right now. I think it was a seven point win in the end. Tulane had the ball left with like two minutes left with a chance to tie the game. I remember I wasn't, watching any of this game and we're like checking ESPN and we threw down the big screen shortly, obviously Oklahoma gets a stop, but weird win for them. Something that you don't feel a lot of confidence about in the long run. This was supposed to be the best Oklahoma team defensively um, to give up 30 plus to Tulane is not good at all. So we're in agreement there with Iowa um, and getting the points is I did not know that I will run to Vegas. I will get the plane right now to put that ticket in. Um, and now the game that I think, on paper, when you look at these schools, it's a lot more pretty, a lot more attractive. Two Blue Bloods, Oregon, Ohio State. We all know those names. Big-time schools, obviously. Number three, Ohio State. Number 12, Oregon. Ohio State, 14-point favorites coming off a 14-point win versus Minnesota. They trailed it at halftime, the first time they trailed in the Ryan Day era. Um, so I'm interested from your side, Chris. You know, Ohio State, 
clearly has the talent, 14-point favorites. Oregon probably kind of has the talent to hang with them, but do they have the firepower? Can they do it for four quarters? I don't think so. I'm going to go with Ohio State kind of decisively here. I think they maybe it's close at halftime. They pull away late. Kayvon Thibodeau for Oregon, he's probably the number one pick in the draft, probably not number one non-quarterback in the draft. He got hurt. He's day-to-day. We don't know his status. I just think Anthony Brown at the end of the day, quarterback for Oregon, leaves a lot to be desired. I don't think he can hang with what Ohio State has. Best one-two in the country and Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, their O-line's great. Their running backs at 26 carries for 200-plus uh, last week out versus Minnesota. I just think it's too much offensive firepower for Oregon. Uh, so I think my final score, 38-21. They handle them. They cover that spread. Ohio State, obviously, their concern is, at the end of the day, the college football playoff. Oregon, not so much. The Pac-12 is just down in the last few years. I don't think they will be able to hang. So I have Ohio State winning pretty decisively here. Your thoughts? Yeah, I would agree. I'd say Ohio State – excuse me, Ohio State covers the two two touchdowns because um, it, it's at the horseshoe. Oregon's traveling, and I'm not totally sure Oregon's good. I would agree. Right. Um, they are number 12 right now, but, uh, yeah, I would, I'm not as high on them as some others. They might just win the Pac-12 because the Pac-12 is yeah. down, back down again. Um, but I'll be – you know, that'll be an interesting – thing when it comes back to conference play you kind of talked about with indiana colorado was good utah was good um in the past but uh you talked about it with um indiana and northwestern so yeah i would agree that ohio state's going to roll here and they're going to continue to roll all year did you just say first time trailing in the ryan day era yes that what you just said at halftime at halftime first time at half okay so they were winning at halftime in the national championship not counting the playoffs not counting the playoffs. yeah yeah Understood. Okay. Um, but that's still, that's incredible. Uh, that is absolutely incredible. And you want to talk about a schedule. How about this? So Ohio State has this game against Oregon. We both think that they're going to win pretty comfortably. And maybe they will, maybe they won't. But they have, this, this is what they have through October 23rd. Tulsa and Akron, who stink. Rutgers, who's supposed to be terrible again. Maryland, terrible. Indiana might be bad again. Then they finally have Penn State. Then they finish with Nebraska, who they just killed Fordham, but they're not very good. Uh, and then Purdue, Michigan State, and Michigan. So they have a pretty cakewalk schedule through October outside of Penn State. So uh, if they can get through Oregon, they'll be cruising at 7-0 and into the Penn State game. That's at home as well. This is an extremely favorable schedule. They, the the Michigan game is on the road, but Michigan isn't ranked. So, uh, you know, that's obviously not – yeah, I feel like there's if if Ohio State doesn't go into the end of the season undefeated, something went wrong. Something I mean, Penn State can wrong. give them a ride, but I don't think they're going to win. They beat them once in the last five years. It's on crazy flukes. Like, I just think that they are the class of the Big Ten, and no one is going to take them down in that conference. I really don't see it. And this game, obviously, is out of conference, but I still – that same message applies. I can't, I can't see Ohio State losing this game. I really don't see a scenario where Oregon – and Anthony Brown outplays this offense. Yeah, no, no, I, I don't either. And uh, I would anticipate that the uh, streak of when uh, having the lead at halftime would begin again on Saturday. <laughs> That's my guess. Yeah, um, I'm in agreement with that. I do think it'll be close early, but I just don't think for four quarters they can hang. Um, you know, I brought up Anthony Brown a few times. He just he just leaves it too much to be desired for me. Maybe that's unfair. Maybe I'm 
going off too little here, but so we both were in agreement completely and that will for sure backfire, but <laughs> both have Iowa with an upset and the points and obviously and Ohio state winning comfortably. Correct. Confirmed. That's correct. Okay. Um, yeah. So we'll see what happens there. Um, you know, not the, not the slate of week one, but we're in the swing of things. Now the treadmill has started and the run has commenced. Um, the thing about college football that's so awesome is just like in one game, your season can just completely flip. You don't have the benefit of the NFL of like just dropping a game versus a terrible team and just bouncing back because on the resume, everything tightens up. It's essentially a double elimination tournament the whole season. Two loss teams never got in. So it's a lot of fun to watch. And we're going to keep an eye on that. Uh, I think that's it. Um, do you have anything else just before we wrap up? Cause we kind of ran through a lot here. Uh, Notre Dame gave me a heart attack and they might be bad. That's mine. Yeah, we can talk about that quickly, I guess. Um, you know, FSU obviously honoring legendary coach there. All-time comeback at the end. Mackenzie Milton, great story. Bounce back. He was one of the – people kind of, like, just forget because it's been so long. He was one of the best quarterbacks in the country at UCS, UCF. And that is a win where I feel like you don't even feel that excited about the way they were – the way they had to win that game, you know, up comfortably. I looked away, and then I'm sweating this out because I had Notre Dame the points. And that did not work out for me. No, you so didn't. Just, uh, weird win overall. I don't know if I would feel that happy about that if I was a Notre Dame fan. Yeah, no, I, I don't. I don't think that this team is any good. I, I that honestly, that's just my pessimism because I never think they're good. Um, and then they somehow get ranked fourth and they get shelled in college football playoff every year, year after year, um, just continuously beat me over the head. But yeah, no, they're terrible. Like it was, they got outscored eighteen nothing in the fourth quarter by an unranked team. It's like, come on, guys, put the game away, kick a field goal, let's go home. And it's in overtime. Jack Cohn could be pretty good. He looked solid. I like that he's lefty, kind of cool, I don't know. Um, Other than that, I mean, just this defense is terrible. Terrible, terrible, terrible. But I haven't looked really at their schedule. It's probably the easiest schedule in the history of the world. I'm a Notre Dame fan, and I'm the anti-Notre Dame. Oh, they play Wisconsin and Cincinnati. Okay. Yeah, I knew that Cincinnati game was coming up. Wisconsin, Cincinnati, Virginia Tech, USC, UNC. Back to back to back to back to back weeks. So their schedule's not take easy. That back. Yeah, you got to take that statement back. Their schedule's not easy this year. So I do take that back. Yeah. So if they get in this year, it's legit. I don't want to hear anymore. It's not legit if they get in this year. <laughs> yeah, that's honestly credit to Notre Dame for scheduling all those games. I mean, it's tough when you don't have a conference, but <laughs> to, to go out there, that Cincinnati game, like I want that to be the highlight of the show because – Cincinnati's a team that I'm very passionate about. I want them in the playoff. One of the reasons the playoff's so flawed the way it is is because there's no avenue for them to get in. So I'd love for them to get in there, win that game. Um, but I think that's just about going to do it for us, Chris. Also, shout out to our editor, Corey. You know, we were going to go into the show and I'd be talking for them. Football laps on our end, but he made sure to remind us. I'm sure he'll do a great job on this edit. But that's going to end things for College Gridiron. Make sure to stay tuned for more and watch some college football this weekend.